Welcome to the Travel Therapy Mentor Podcast, your number one source for travel therapy information and education, hosted by travel physical therapist duo Jared and Whitney. Join us every other week on Facebook Live to learn about a new travel therapy topic or listen to the replay right here on our podcast. If you're new to travel therapy and ready to get started, contact us to get connected with the travel therapy recruiters and companies we recommend by visiting TravelTherapyMentor.com slash recruiters. Again, that's TravelTherapyMentor.com slash recruiters. If you're ready to remove the guesswork and jumpstart your travel therapy career, let us teach you step-by-step everything you need to know to get started and to be financially successful as a traveler by enrolling in our comprehensive travel therapy course titled Becoming a Financially Successful Travel Therapist. You can visit TravelTherapyMentor.com course and use the discount code TRAVEL to save $150 on our course. Again, that's TravelTherapyMentor.com course and the discount code is TRAVEL. And if you're looking for the best way to get your CEUs online as a traveler who's always on the go, you can use our discount code to get the best rate on an annual MedBridge subscription, which is where we get all of our online CEUs. Use code FIFTHWHEELPT, that's F-I-F-T-H-W-H-E-E-L-P-T, for the discount, all one word. And last, if you're interested in getting started with credit card hacking to take advantage of free or low-cost travel like we do, check out our top credit card recommendations for travelers at TravelTherapyMentor.com credit. Again, that's TravelTherapyMentor.com credit. All right, and now on to this week's episode. Hey guys, this week we are bringing you a podcast that we recorded a few weeks ago on the I Need Travel Therapy podcast by AMN. Uh, We were interviewed on there about traveling as a pair and pursuing financial independence. So this was a really fun episode for us because we have been traveling as a physical therapist pair for six years now. So we discussed some of the pros and cons, um, the benefits, the challenges of traveling together, um, you know, some advice of what we've learned over the years for those of you guys that are thinking about traveling as a pair. We also discussed some um, financial goals, some financial planning, and our path to pursuing financial independence. So hope you guys enjoy this episode and it's educational for you. And let us know if you have any questions. Hey, travel fam, it's Darian, and welcome back to I Need Travel Therapy. Today, we have an excellent episode for you today. We're going to be joined by Jared and Whitney from Travel Therapy Mentor, who are a wealth of knowledge. They're going to be talking to us about life as a traveling pair, as well as financial independence as a traveling therapist. A little bit about Jared and Whitney. They're a traveling therapist couple who have maximized their careers as travel PTs to achieve financial independence and travel the world. Their many adventures since beginning their travel journey as new grad PTs in 2015 have included traveling to 46 U.S. states, living the full-time RV life for several years, visiting over half of the U.S. national parks, and exploring over 30 countries internationally. They are currently located in Hawaii for a dream travel PT contract. Via their online business, Travel Therapy Mentor, they've mentored and educated thousands of clinicians and students to help them pursue their own travel healthcare lifestyles, achieve freedom financially, and create lifestyles of their dreams. How great. We're so excited to have you guys on the show. Whitney and Jared, welcome to the show. Thank you guys so much for coming on today. Hey, thanks for having us. Hey, thanks. Yes. Okay. So before we jump into the questions, you guys are in Hawaii right now. So can you tell us what island you're on? Yeah, we're on the big island in Kalua Kona. 
Okay. Are you loving it so far? Yeah, yeah it's beautiful. Um, uh, we didn't know really what to expect when we got here, but uh, it's better than we expected for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and you're a travel pair. Was it, did it take you a long time to get to, you know, Hawaii as a pair? So we always try to avoid Hawaii just because job options are so limited. And then uh, yeah. last year we decided that the chances of getting two jobs here was pretty low. So Whitney just yeah. got licensed and we just found one and I'm not working right now. Oh, okay. Very cool. I love that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we're going to be talking a lot about you guys being a traveling pair and getting some financial stuff today. Um, but just to start out, can you tell us a little bit about how traveling as a pair has affected your approach to finding assignments? Yeah, so we knew that we were going to travel as a pair from the get-go, and we knew that it would be a little harder to find jobs. So we always strategically mm-hmm. planned um, from the get-go on around trying to find two jobs together. So okay. back when we first started in 2015, we realized that that was going to be a challenge. So we started strategically looking at certain states that tended to have more jobs. Um, and back then, we were actually using Amen uh, Med Traveler's website as like a good guide because yeah. it had such a large, like up-to-date database of jobs. So we would research in advance, actually, um, on Med Traveler's website to try to figure out like which states should we try to get licensed in, so that we would have a good chance of finding two jobs there, which. I think is okay. different than a lot of people's approach of just like, oh, I want to go to Hawaii, so I'll just get licensed in Hawaii. We would only get licensed in states where we thought we'd have a good opportunity of finding two jobs, and that um, got us off on the right foot to be yeah. able to find two jobs there. I'm uh, very yeah. analytical and research-oriented, um, so our primary goal, we went into it kind of like um, as prepared as possible. There weren't, weren't as many resources back then, but our primary yeah. goal was to find two jobs in one location, obviously, and then to take outpatient jobs. And for everything else, we were extremely flexible. So what state, what part of the state, even pay? I mean, obviously, you want to get paid well, but that was always a secondary concern um, compared to finding two jobs and getting outpatient. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, finding two jobs is more important because you're going to make a lot more money than, you know, if you're just at one job, right? Like generally when you guys are out traveling. Um so that's awesome. And you guys, have you guys always been with med travelers then? We've taken the majority of our assignments over the years with them. Um, we do okay. always advocate for other travel therapists and for ourselves to try to keep your options open and do look yeah. at jobs with other companies. But we've taken, ever since like our very first contracts um, back in 2015, a lot of jobs with med travelers. And then over the years, we've taken one here or there with other companies if we found a different option. Yeah, probably them. about 75% yeah. of them were through med travelers. Yeah. I mean, you guys have been traveling for a long time, so. <laughs> um, but yeah. generally, your guys's plan has been: you do research, you find out what states are going to make sense, and then do you guys get the licensure beforehand before you start applying to states? Is that yeah? Okay. That's a that's a big thing we we tell new travelers. Like we've seen a lot of issues over the years with like people we've helped and just people that we've <laughs> um, other travelers we've run into on assignment that. They will wait to get the state license, and then there's an issue with it, and it delays their start mm-hmm. date. And it's not only bad for them, but it's bad for the facility and the patients. And it just makes us, uh, it makes travel way more difficult than it needs to be. So, yeah, we are very big on getting the license up front to try to minimize any uh, interruptions. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think that's huge too. Because it makes it easier sometimes when you can apply to positions before getting the state license because it feels like you have more options. But once you get the job and then you're tight on the timeline, it makes it a lot less fun, the waiting period, right? Yeah, have you I mean, guys ever ran into that before, like where you did take a job before you had a license and that became a problem for you? Or have you always had the license before and it hasn't been an issue? 
We, uh, so yeah, there's pros and cons to doing it that way. We, we always yeah. don't do it that way just, uh, just to be safe. Um, but yeah, I mean, the downside of that is we've gotten two state licenses now that we never used. We just like looked, we yeah. saw they had a lot of outpatient jobs. We planned to go there, went ahead and got licensed and then no jobs ever worked out. So, I mean, yeah, it's kind of a hassle and you, you have some upfront costs doing it that way, but you know that if a job pops up, there's not going to be any, you know, waiting time. And, you know, a lot of jobs, they won't even interview you if you don't have the license. And for the two of us, that's yeah. the most important thing is to have the most options. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Um, I guess another thing as a pair, you do probably have more state licenses than maybe a solo traveler. So as a pair, when you get all these state licenses, are you guys maintaining them or do you let them lapse, I guess? Are you always keeping up on the CEUs for every state and paying the renewal fees? It depends. Um, for a while, we we would keep them if we thought there was a chance we would go back to that state. So like the couple state licenses that we did get that we never used were Illinois and Arizona. So we kept them for a year or two um, and renewed them maybe once until we finally realized like we probably wouldn't be returning there. So over time, okay. we've let a lot of the older ones lapse. Um, but we do we did keep spreadsheets of our CEUs, um, like the requirements for each state. So that way we would make sure to you know, meet all the requirements for those years that we were maintaining them, but after a couple of years, okay. we would usually let them lapse. Yeah, at this point, we only okay. have like maybe two or three each. Oh, okay. Organization is key, right? Yeah. <laughs> Probably keeping all the moving parts going. Yeah. Um, okay, so you guys are talking about getting a new assignment when you are looking at, I guess, interviewing for places. Are you interviewing for first, or are you taking a look at housing options first? So the way we like to approach that is. Um, we do a lot of the the job search as much as possible on our own, just like looking at available jobs and trying to find like piece the puzzle together from multiple companies to try to find jobs that might be close to each other that would work for us. And, and ideally, we were yeah. looking for outpatient jobs almost always. Um, so the way we usually do it is we'll find two that seem like they might be good options. And then in, immediately before we ever even are submitted for those jobs, we start to see if just like preliminary results of housing, if, if it looks like it might be feasible to find something there. And if it is, then we go ahead and get submitted. If it looks like there's there's no way or like some situations we run into is there might be two jobs an hour apart. If we could live in the middle, then it's fine. But a lot of times there yeah. aren't there's not housing in the middle and neither of us wants to drive an hour each way. So in a situation like that, we just wouldn't even be submitted for those jobs. So, um, yeah, okay. we, we always take a preliminary look to see. And then if, if it's uh, if it looks like there might be housing or it's feasible, then we go ahead and get submitted for the job. And for us, um, the first three years that we were traveling, we were traveling in an RV. So we the housing search for us looked like finding RV parks. And that was actually a lot easier to be able to determine ahead of time if there was going to be housing or not before even letting yeah. our recruiters submit us for jobs because we would just do a quick search for RV parks, which is different than searching for just campground because campground, sometimes you'll just get like state parks or things where it's just, you know, primitive camping or just weekend camping. You have to look for RV parks parks that allow longer stays. And it would just be a very quick phone call to ask if that RV park does long-term stays and if they think they might have any availability for the following month, or they might say, no, we're completely booked for the summer. And that would just give us an idea. And we didn't book it at that time, but at least we would know if there was Mm -hmm. feasible options before um, submitting for the job. Because we find that a lot of travelers, again, they'll submit for a job, they'll interview for a job, they'll accept a job, and they're like, great, let's find housing. And then they find out there's no housing in the area. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's yes. a bad position to be in. <laughs> yes. I love how you guys seem like you really take control of the situation. You're not just sitting back and you're like, oh, here's the jobs. And obviously <laughs> everyone can do it differently, but you guys as a pair have figured out how to like really be a part of the process. 
It seems like. And so when you're looking at positions, you're kind of doing all of this stuff beforehand, which is great. And I'm so glad you guys are here to share all of your knowledge with us because (laughs) a lot of people starting out, you know, you learn these things as you go, right? And so that's why you guys are able to help so many new therapists that are getting into travel. Yeah. Um, And for anybody starting out, I mean, we made our fair share of mistakes. So uh, if it sounds like we have it all put together, that's uh, six years later. So. Um, okay, so you guys obviously do a lot of planning. Is that on both of your ends, or is it kind of a collaborative effort, or is it one or you know the other of you that kind of takes charge when looking at the new assignments and housing and all these things? We have, I'd say, we're a pretty good pair as far as like we each know our strengths. So Jared likes to do a lot of research on the behind the scenes stuff, and he was doing that back before we ever even graduated physical therapy school, trying to find out about travel therapy and learn everything. And back then, there wasn't a ton of information, so a lot of what he was reading were like travel nursing forums and stuff. And um, you know, just a side note, that's why we ended up creating our website to teach other people because that information wasn't readily available. So he's definitely a research behind the scenes kind of guy. Um, I'm more of the communicator. So I make a lot of the phone calls. So um, I, I would say that of all the recruiters that we've ever worked with, Jared's probably only ever spoken to them, you know, a handful of times yeah. because oh, I'm, wow. usually the, <laughs> I'm usually the yeah. one on the phone speaking on our behalf and organizing it um, on the front end. Whereas he's in the background, like, well, we need to research this and we need to look this up before we ever apply for that. So as far as like when we're doing the job search, we search together, you know, trying to find jobs. And um, he's he's researching a lot of stuff in the background, but I usually make a lot of the phone calls. So I, th- I think we worked well together as a team. Yeah, we've each found our <laughs> roles over the years for sure. Yes, I love that. So then when it comes to if you're talking to the recruiters and you're looking at different job options and Jared, you're planning in the back, is there one of you guys that's like the decision maker? Or do you kind of make decisions together on all of these things? Um, I would say Whitney is definitely the decision maker just because <laughs> if she's unhappy, it's just not going to be worth it at all. So uh, <laughs> there's a decision to make. I'll let her make it. And, yeah. uh, you know, if it doesn't work out as well, then uh, I don't feel like I'm to blame for it. But so. I mean, at the same time, like when it comes to job interviews, you know, <laughs> we both want to make sure the jobs sound good. Um, most of the time, like uh, we've worked in the same facility several times. And most of the time we would each interview individually or together. There was one time that I interviewed for the both of us for a job and they offered it to the both of us without ever speaking to Jared. Which is usually Uh, a red flag, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, it actually kind of did turn out to be a red flag. They were a bit desperate. Um, So, you know, but then other than that, like there's been a couple of times where he would have an interview for a different job than me, but they were in the same area. And so, of course, then we collaborate on the decision. Like if his job sounded terrible, I'm not just going to say, no, we need to go there. Um, yeah. So we, we work together. Yeah. That's great. Okay. And then, okay. So speaking of the interview, are interviews generally done for pairs together then? So like, will they, if you're interviewing for an outpatient clinic, will they call you guys and talk to you both at the same time or do they schedule them separately? We've done it both ways. Um, I would okay. say only uh, maybe a third of our assignments have actually been in the same facility. So normally we're interviewing with different managers at different facilities just in the same area. Um, but yeah. yeah, if it's in the same facility, sometimes we've done uh, interviews together. Um, I can think of a couple times that was the case, but usually it's going to be separate. Okay. And I, I, I've had a lot of therapists reach out there looking to travel as a pair 
And a lot of them want to be in the same facility together. And obviously, you guys are still together six years later, still traveling, <laughs> and you've been in the same facility, so it's worked out really well for you. Um, but is that something that, you know, normally is a positive experience, you know, working together and then living together all the time for maybe a, a pair that's a couple or even just friends? <laughs> is that challenging? Well, um, it's another thing. There's definitely pros and cons. So yeah. the biggest pro yeah. is that, you know, you can carpool together to work and things like that. That's great. Um, you know, it's, it makes things easier easier with like lining up appointments or uh, making plans. You have the same work hours, all that. But the downside, yeah. uh, especially for us, is that we were living in a camper together, spending all yep. of our time together, <laughs> commuting <space>. together. <laughs> yes, yes, working together. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, a big issue for us is that Whitney and I have very different personalities in the clinic. And um, if I get stressed out, I make a bunch of jokes about it. And Whitney, okay. if she's stressed out, is just stressed out. So, uh, and she does not want to be having uh, jokes made about her or, or, or in front of her or whatever. So, um, sometimes yep. that can cause issues. Uh, so, it depends on your, okay. your personality in the clinic. Yeah, we had a couple instances where we worked the same hours in the same place. And Jared's just always a jokester. And I'm just trying to keep my head down and get my work done and get out of there. And, you know, then I become the, the butt of a lot of jokes and it just doesn't work out. Um, yeah. But there have been other situations where, like, we worked for the same company but in different buildings or um, one time I worked at a busy outpatient clinic and it was so big that I hardly ever saw him unless he happened to walk okay. across my my part of the clinic um, and we actually had different schedules there which was good and bad because we did commute mm -hmm. separately and it, it saved us on that regard but um, we also one of us was working like seven to four and one of us was working like 11 to seven so that really messed with our general life schedule um, so, okay. you know, there's pros and cons to that. And I think you have to know yourself uh, and your, your partner and if that's going to work well for you or not. Yeah. Every situation is so different, though. Every job situation is different. Like if it's a very small clinic and you're the only two therapists there and you're living together, yeah. uh, that could easily be uh, a little too much for a lot of people. <laughs> I don't think you're alone in that. So I don't think that means anything against you guys. I think <laughs> being with any single person working together all day and then living in an RV would be very challenging. Yes. Yeah, that's right? the most you common know? thing we heard about living in the RV. Like patients and coworkers are like, how do you guys live in a small space together all the time? Like some of <laughs> yeah. our coworkers will be like, I can't stand being around my husband for like uh, an hour. How do you stay together all the time together? Yes. So yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a uh, more of a universal thing, it seems like. <laughs> okay, so as far as like being a travel pair, is there any benefits, like main benefits you guys would say for people that are considering traveling as a pair? Um, definitely the pros of traveling as a pair is you're always going to have an adventure buddy. So, you know, a lot yeah. of travelers say that they get lonely and it's, it's a little bit hard to just up and move your life to a new place where you don't know anybody. So it, it decreases that like kind of scary factor of moving to a new place and mm -hmm. not knowing anybody. You're always going to have a, a friend to do things with on the weekends. Um, I think it makes the whole process a little easier in that regard of companionship. Um, so overall, you know, we love it. And I don't know if I personally would have done travel therapy by myself without a partner. And then another benefit is, like you said, if you find housing that's pretty reasonable for two people and you're each making a travel therapy salary or pay, um, you know, you can save a lot of money that way versus like an individual person doesn't have anyone to split costs with. So that's a, that's a yeah. definitely a, a benefit there. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And then is there any like major obstacles you guys have found with traveling as a pair? Um, I'd say the biggest thing is the finding two jobs together. That can definitely be harder and it can limit your options more as a pair. Yeah. Um, but, you know, 
you just take the good with the bad because I know that there's a lot of people like us that they, they're either going to travel with a, a partner or they're not going to travel at all. Um, most people yeah. don't really have that choice. So you just kind of take the good with the bad. Whereas if there's a, we, we've talked to some people who are just thinking about traveling like with a friend or a classmate or somebody, um, and they may have a choice to decide whether it's, it's the right decision for them to try to look for jobs together or if they should just go solo. And so that's something to take mm-hmm. into account. If you really are, have the option to go solo and you really want specific locations and specific settings and maybe you're only going to plan to travel for a couple of years so you really just have like that bucket list of like I want that California job and I want that Hawaii job you may be better yeah. off to go solo um, but again like I think most of most pairs are like us they're just either going to do it together or they're not so yeah. you just kind of yeah. figure out the job part yeah and another another downside is you know housing can be cheaper if you split costs but it can also be harder to find because we've had situations where um, like specifically earlier in our career where we wanted to save costs as much as possible. Um, we were thinking about renting a room in a house or like an in-law suite type thing. And yeah. uh, you know, sometimes people don't want two people in a room. They just want one person. So uh, we ran into situations where like we were like, oh man, this would be a great place to stay. And then we talked to them and they're like, well, I'm not looking for a couple. I just want one person. So there's yeah. situations like that where housing can be harder to find. Right. And that was when you know we mostly traveled in an RV, but we have done some, mm-hmm. assi- some assignments where we rented a place. So um, in some ways, it can be harder to find housing for two, especially if you, as a solo traveler, are willing to rent a room in a house or something like that. You can usually find cheaper and easier housing. But then again, there yeah. are some solo travelers that don't want to do that either, and they'd be looking for a one-bedroom apartment anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just pros and cons there and different things to think about. One other thing yeah. that's it's a, it's a pro, but it's a con. Like We always have each other when we're on assignment, but I also feel like compared to some travelers, we don't necessarily integrate with like our work um, coworkers like, and make okay. friends as well because I think that most of our coworkers just assume, oh, they have each other. They're, they're doing their own thing on the weekend, whereas yeah. I'll, I'll hear from a lot of solo travelers that they get invited to go do things and they mm-hmm. meet people and they're always on the weekend like finding new friends, whereas yeah. I feel like we kind of fly... Solo, yeah, as a solo traveler, you're kind of forced outside of your comfort zone, whereas we can easily just fall back on like, well, we'll hang out together, watch movies, we'll go eat dinner, like we always have each other. So um, yeah. yeah, it's a pro and a con. Like, uh, it's nice to have someone always, but it's also, you know, sometimes you kind of want to get outside your comfort zone and meet other people. And you can do that as a pair, it's just a little bit more difficult. Yeah. So actually, um, I saw on your guys' Instagram recently, if you guys don't follow them on Instagram, you definitely should because they're (laughs) awesome. Um, But you guys met up with a bunch of other fellow travelers that were in Hawaii. So Mm -hmm. how does that work? Do you guys like just put word out there that you're there? And then like people reach out and then you end up setting up like a meetup? Or is that something you try to do on your different assignments? Yeah, that's something over the last couple of years, um, we've gotten a gotten a bigger and bigger social media following. So we purposely try to set up meetups and stuff just because cool. it can be kind of lonely as a, a traveler. So if we're, we do a lot yeah. of road trips and we do um, go to a lot of conferences and things like that. So pretty much if we're going on a road trip through a major city or we're going to a conference, we'll try to set up some sort of meetup. And yeah, we just put the event out there and people sign up and come if they want. And uh uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's social nice media. To meet other travelers. Social media has been huge for that. So we usually put out like 
Uh, we'll go to Facebook groups. We'll go on our own Facebook. We'll go on our own Instagram. Um, now there's the new MedVenture app, which is an app designed for travelers to get together. So that's another way to connect. So yeah, oh, social media cool. really brings the community together, even though you might feel like you're out on a lonely island as the only travel therapist. But we, you know, just yeah. via social media, we were able to find like at least six other travel therapists that are here in the same city. And there's other ones wow. that just couldn't make it. And, you know, Kona's not that big. So no. it's kind of cool that there's so many travelers. <laughs> Here. Yeah, it was very cool to see that. Um, MedVenture, I've never heard of that before. It's an app that people can download and it tells you when there's meetups and things like that. Yeah, it was designed by a couple of um, travel nurses. Um, so there's definitely oh, cool. a lot of nurses on there, but it's supposed to be for all travel healthcare providers. Um, it's still yeah. growing. They just launched it this year. But basically, it's a way, it has a few different features. One, it's a way to meet people. So you can kind of scroll through almost like Tinder in a way, like scroll through and see people in your area that are other travelers. Yeah. And it has a little profile about them. So you can send them a message if you want to connect. You can create okay. and join events on there. So kind of like Facebook um events type of thing, but on the app, uh, you can also review facilities. So they have, they have features on there where you can like look at a city and a facility and leave reviews and read reviews. So it has a few different features. Yeah. Yeah. We're hoping That's that it grows. Cool. We're uh, doing our best to try to promote it to other travelers and, uh, cause you know, a central location where we can all meet up and everything is, um, it's great to be able to eventually if almost all travelers are on there and you're able to post an event and get a bunch of people together, that's a really cool thing. Yeah, And the best part is it's a free app for travelers. Um, So you guys can download it for free on iOS or um, Android. Um, So we've, we've been, you know, kind of growing it a little bit along with them. I think so far, like I said, I don't think as many therapists are on there yet. It seems to be a lot more like nurses, but hopefully over time, more people will find it and um, it'd be a better way for us to connect. Yeah. Well, I just think it's so great, too, because you guys are saying that sometimes you don't branch out quite as much because you have each other, right? But you're still finding ways to meet other people, which is awesome. And for people that, you know, maybe you're at a facility where they're covering a maternity leave or something where everybody's super tight knit and maybe a little bit harder to break in, right? Um, Mm -hmm. To make friends at a certain facility, it's still good to know that, you know, there's ways to meet other travelers and people. I think a lot of travelers are everyone's different, right? But like-minded in the fact that you like are excited about adventure and seeing new things and like passionate about life, right? And so like meeting up with other travelers is probably very fun for you guys, I would think. Absolutely. So. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. We, we found that out at the Travelers Conference. First time we went there and like all these other travelers, it was like, oh man, I understand all these people and uh, mm-hmm. they understand our yeah. weird lifestyle. And yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Living in an RV together and all these things. Oh, it's so great. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> our community. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so do you guys have any advice for other therapists that are considering traveling as a pair? Um, the big thing is to be as flexible as possible. So, um, you know, we always talk about, obviously, the three big variables are setting, location, and pay. And if you're traveling as a yep. pair, you need to be very flexible in at least one, if not two of those, um, because it's it's hard to find assignments in, in some locations together. I mean, there's some locations that individual travelers want to go to where they can't find one job, much less two. So, you know, you're not going to be able to be the the couple that only wants to go to, like, San Diego and Denver and, uh, you know, those Austin, Texas, like that's where everyone wants to go. So you have to be a little more lenient on the the location. Um, definitely. And, and it's very smart to plan that strategically when you're applying for licenses and things. So don't just be the, the couple that 
we're going to get licensed in Utah and we're going to go to Utah because there's not many Utah jobs. So you're going to get that license and it's going to be a waste. <laughs> That's um, true. <laughs> yeah. So, so you just have to be strategic with it. Um, uh, just be flexible and you can, you can definitely make it work. And there's, there's some challenges, but overall it's been very good for us. Yeah. And we always tell people, you know, being flexible is good because if you aren't flexible, you're just going to end up either holding out for a really long time to be able to find two jobs, which means you're losing mm-hmm. weeks worth of pay that you otherwise could have gotten. So it happened quite often where we really did want two outpatient jobs together, but when it came down to the wire, we may end up accepting another setting if we had to, um, or maybe one of us would take out patient and the other one would take a different setting because if we had waited one, two, three more weeks to find those perfect jobs, that's several thousand dollars of missed work. Um, Whereas same thing with like, if you're waiting, you're like, oh, I only want to make the highest pay. Well, as a pair, if you miss out on one week of work because you turn down the $1,500 a week job, that's $3,000 that you missed out on to get the next week, start a $1,700 a week job where you only made an extra $200 um, each that week. So you have to think about those factors um, and just, again, be more lenient so that you can try to get those two jobs together. And if your goal is finances to be able to, um, you know, have consistent back-to-back work when you want it and only take off time when you planned and budgeted to take off time, not because you just couldn't find a job. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. Um, before we jump into the financial piece, because I'm really excited to talk to you guys about that, um, can you tell me, I guess, when you are interviewing for positions, I know that you guys do a lot of research. Do you guys ever, will one accept without the other before the other person has like an offer in hand? Or do you guys try to make it so that you guys, because I get asked that a lot and you guys probably, I mean, you're experts in this, right? So like, do you always wait for both of you to have an offer and you accept at the same time? Or do you ever accept an offer based on one of you having a really good interview and then spend the next you know week or two weeks looking for the other? So we are probably not the, the normal travelers in terms of, of some things. Um, we... Our, our primary focus when we started, so a lot of travelers are just like, okay, I'll take a job, and then I'll take some time off and, you know, um, do whatever. We Our primary focus was going into the financial portion to save as much as possible. And okay. so we wanted back-to-back contracts as much as possible, and we only wanted to take off, take off time when we wanted to take off time. So in the beginning of our job search, you know, we might start seven weeks before um, we wanted to start the next assignment. And we know we want to start, you know, a lot of times we were doing, we'd finish a job on a Friday and start on a Monday somewhere else. So we know we want to start on that date. And so seven weeks ahead, we start looking. Ideally, we find two that are perfect and, and you know, interview yeah. for them. We love them. We accept them. Great. You know, but that only happens maybe a quarter of the time. Um, so. Yeah. Basically, we take the approach of as it gets closer to that deadline, we get more flexible. So it's like, okay, well, we ideally we want to be in Northern Virginia, but you know, now we're only three weeks out. Let's start looking all over Virginia and all over North Carolina. Okay, okay. now we're like two weeks out. Now let's start interviewing for jobs. And if in that situation, we would sometimes accept one contract and just hope something else popped up for the other person. But that was very rare for us. And it also had to do with the job market, you know, five or six years ago compared to how it's been over the last year. It's been a little a little tougher. Um, so we were able yeah. to do that, um, usually find two and not have to accept one. And, you know, it just opens yourself up to some uncertainty if you accept one and you're just hoping for something else to pop up. So it was rare that we did that, but I think we did it once or twice. Yeah, we always tried not to do that. We always tried to accept um, two at the same time. But we have, like, mm-hmm. you know, when the job market wasn't good and we get that question from people that we mentor a lot. Um, in certain circumstances, it did make sense for people to do that when the job market was really yeah. bad, especially if they maybe just took one and then hopefully find another travel contract in the area or sometimes end up just taking PRN in the area. 
Um, okay. But, you know, now that the job market is picking back up, hopefully most pairs can hold out and try to get two at the same time so you don't get stuck in that situation of only having one and having to scramble to find the other. Yeah, so we tell people if, if you have time, don't just accept something. Um, yeah. We, we made a mistake like that early on in our early on in our career, like we probably could have waited longer and tried to find two together, but we got excited about a job and accepted one. And then the other person had to settle. So if you have some time, don't do that. Don't put yourself in that position. But if it's down to crunch time, then, you know, that's when you start considering that. Okay. I think that's great advice. That's what travel's about, right? Is being flexible and like adapting to the situations and changing and all that stuff. So I think that's great advice. Um, Okay. So you started talking about the financial piece. I'm excited because this is a huge proponent of what you guys are about, right? Is creating financial independence through travel therapy. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about what your approach to finances was when you first made the transition into travel? Did you know the financial aspect was going to be so important to you? So we both started as new grads and um, sometime around maybe three or four months before graduation, one of my professors had a, a lecture on finances. And I've always been more of a saver and pretty into finances, but that like sparked this whole new interest. And I was like, okay, wait a minute, I'm about to graduate. Uh, I want to be a traveler. I know they make pretty good money. I need to figure out what to do with this. I need to figure out what to do about my loans. And that took me down like a rabbit hole of like, how am I going to, how am I going to figure out how to handle my loans? And that was the first thing. And then once I figured that out, then I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do with the rest of the money? And, um, that was, yeah, that was like the, the start of it all for me. And, um, I, I definitely got kind of obsessive about it, which was not ideal, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, uh, yeah, definitely Jared is more the driver of the finances. And that was one of the main reasons, um, we started dating when we were in physical therapy school at different PT schools, but he found out, um, like our second year, about halfway through our program about travel therapy. And he started introducing the idea to me. And part of it was, Hey, we can make a lot more money. We can pay off our debts, start saving. And then part of it was, you know, we can experience new settings and travel around. But I think a big driver for for Jared and then he kind of grouped me into it because I was like yeah sounds great was making more money and being able to save more money so that was a driver all along um okay so Jared had a whole plan and again he's my unofficial financial advisor so I was like yeah I'm on board (laughs) like teach me how to make more money and save more money it sounds great so yeah that was definitely what got us into travel therapy and we knew from the start like Jared had a whole financial plan laid out yeah and somewhere down that rabbit hole like after I went through student loans and everything is where I found like the actual financial independence world, which is, you know, basically this group of people. It was a lot smaller back then. Now it's, it seems like more mainstream. Um, but a group of people that just want to get to a point where you don't have to work. So it just basically makes work yeah. optional. So save and invest enough, which for most people, that's about 25 times your annual expenses. So, you know, you can set a goal of trying to get to that number so that then work is optional for you. So I found that I calculated my own number. And then um, from the very first day of working as a traveler, that was my goal. And pretty much that's what drove like the way that we traveled and our whole strategic plan to try to be able to maintain consistent back-to-back work. Because in the beginning of our careers, you know, we were excited and we we were hungry and we were like, it's it's fine to work. Like Jared um, worked lots of overtime and even picked up a PRN job at one of our contracts. And we knew it wasn't going to be like that forever. But for the first couple of years, we were like back-to-back-to-back. We barely took off like two weeks each year um, between contracts. And like we worked relatively close to home and 
Virginia so we could even just go home on the weekends and not have to take time off from work to return to our tax home. And also, like, yeah. we were able to work right up through Christmas one year because we were wow. only an hour and a half from home, so we could just go home while still being on contract. So we knew that was the plan from the, the beginning. We'd do that for several years so that we would get to a good financial point where we didn't have to work full-time uh, later on down the road. Yeah, so kind of front-loading the work up front uh, to be able to put yourself in a very good financial position for the future. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, in the beginning, we were hustling a lot. So between like working travel contracts, working overtime, uh, I was fortunate to be in a position where I was on an assignment where they would basically let me work all the overtime I wanted, Uh, working PRN, starting the websites. Uh, I was probably working 80 hours a week for most of our first few years of traveling. Okay. That's crazy. 80 hours is a lot, right? Yeah, it was a <laughs> so lot. So um, a lot of that was PT work, and then some of it was like building the website and doing other things? Yeah, side hustles, wow. um, things like credit card rewards. I got very into that. Uh, so all these little <laughs> ways to make money. I was just like very into any little way I could to save more. And uh, so It becomes basically like a just, game, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a fun game, too. I've actually, I have a couple of friends that have done that, like credit card rewards, and they said it's like this thing and you just kind of get into it. And it could be very, I think, lucrative. You can make some money off of it. And it's a side hustle, like you said, but it's like a game. It's kind of fun to figure it out. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. Uh, I would just say don't get too into it because uh, when I found out about that and really started going deep with it, I I think I got 25 credit cards in a year. Um, And it gets very confusing and I wouldn't recommend that to anyone. But uh, yeah, it was was lucrative for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Talk about trying to keep track of things like CEUs and stuff like that. Jared's got spreadsheets for everything. So he he tracks a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you guys decided you wanted to do travel therapy because you thought it was going to be a really great way to pay off your student loans and to create financial freedom, right? So did you, I know you said that you worked super hard at the beginning so that you could have some time later on to maybe not have to work quite as hard or do the assignment after assignment after assignment. Did you kind of plan all this ahead of time? And did you have like initial goals, I guess, with budgeting and how you're going to spend your money and what you're going to put away and all those things? Um, I think it, it changed a little bit over time. So we had originally set out saying that we would do travel therapy for five years and then we would settle down probably into a permanent job. And back then we didn't really know you know, exactly how financially successful we would be able to become. And our plan evolved over time. Um, and like Jared said in the beginning, we were considering, you know, oh, you can make a lot more money so you can pay off your student loans a lot quicker, get rid of that debt, and then start saving for the future. Well, after a little while, Jared had done some additional research, and I'll let him tell you a little bit more about that, and actually decided that financially it was better for us to, there's some loopholes here and it's a lot to explain, but basically not pay off our student loans, um, instead okay. go on an income-driven repayment plan, and instead put all of our extra income and savings into um, retirement plans and save for our future while you know having these tax benefits of being able to qualify for um, an income-driven uh, repayment plan. Yeah, so I had it all planned out at first, uh, and then nothing actually went according to plan. Um, But yeah, it was going to be, okay, we're going to travel for five years, we'll pay off our loans within like two years, and then we'll start saving a ton for a down payment for a rental property, and then we'll cash flow rental properties into the next one. At the end of five years, we'll have five or six rental properties, we'll settle down, everything will be great. Um, And then, yeah, like Whitney said, I started doing more research and calculations on student loans. I found that income-driven repayment made more sense and investing the difference. And uh, that has turned out to be a really good decision for us. Um, 
And along with that, uh, I f- figured out that basically trying to manage rental properties from uh, all over the country while you're traveling is really difficult, probably not worth it, yeah. which took me more into index fund investing and uh, other avenues. So everything kind of changed. But yeah, we the whole way I've uh, had a plan and then just adjusted it as we went. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's all pretty nuanced and obviously Jared knows a lot more about it than I do, but I know a lot of people ask just on the surface level of like, how do you to dedicate yourself to save that much money because we were putting aside, yeah. um, we were maxing out our 401ks, maxing out our IRAs, even putting in some in additional brokerage accounts. Like we were saving, I would, I would probably say I was saving at least 50 to 75% of my income and Jared was saving, wow. you know, sometimes 80 to 90% yeah. of his income. One year I saved 90%. So, and, so saving people, a huge percentage. Oh <laughs> you know, people basically want to know, do you budget? Like, do you write down a budget? Like we can only spend this much on groceries, but basically um, Jared has introduced me to the idea of just just kind of like anti-budgeting. Like he is just a very frugal-minded person. And so he just tries to spend as little as possible on the things that we absolutely need. And of course, that was a bit easier for us um, because we were both having, you know, high income and we were splitting expenses. So in the beginning, it was super easy for us to do that. We were living in an RV. We just tried to, um, you know, live pretty minimalist for the first several years. We would focus on cooking at home a lot and um, trying to decrease our housing expenses and our car expenses as much as possible. We didn't buy new cars, so we didn't have car payments. We didn't have credit card debt, nothing like that. So um, we didn't necessarily have like a budget budget, but we just tried to spend as little as possible and put shovel as much aside into savings those first several years. And it turned out it paid off super well because we actually transitioned to the point um, without considering even our online business that we got to a point where we could really just work part-time after those several years of work. Like, you know, back then we thought, oh, we'll just work for five years as travelers and then we'll we'll take a permanent job, like 40 hours a week, a salary job. But at this point, because of the financial success in our first several years as travelers, we won't ever have to do that. We were able to just work part-time. And again, that's not even accounting for the extra money that we make from having an online business because a lot of people are like, oh yeah, you guys do that because you have an online business, so you you work online. But we're like, no, you can do that too. If you're really smart and strategic with your savings as a traveler, you can get to a point of of really good financial stability where you can hopefully transition to part-time work too. Yeah, and in terms of budgeting and things like that, like my philosophy, like probably a lot of people listen to that and they're like, oh, that sounds like a terrible lifestyle. You work all the time, you don't spend any money. Wow, that's (laughs) awful. Uh, But the way, way I look at it is like, I don't want to spend a lot of money on things that are more material. Uh, we spend a lot of money yeah. on experiences and things like that, but you know we try to keep our other costs low so that we can we can do that and still save a ton. So I mean, we didn't spend a lot on going out to eat and buying buying you know electronics and things like that, but we spent. Um, significantly on weekend trips and things like that. We would always be probably twice a week. We're taking weekend trips to national parks or going hiking somewhere or going to stay somewhere in a new city. So, I mean, we spend a lot on those things, but very little on material things. I love that. And so you're living frugally in some aspects of your life, but like, as far as like life, like the excitement and like, again, traveling, which is obviously a huge passion of your guys is you're still able to do those things while saving money, which is huge. So that's awesome. So you guys have gotten to the point now where you're working part-time. So are you guys still putting savings away or are you kind of living off of the savings that you have from before and like investments that you've made? So I mentioned earlier that uh, basically financial independence, the way most people define it is like 25 times your annual expenses. Um, From saving as much as as we did early on, um, I hit that number probably two or three years ago. So at like wow. four years of working and hustling really hard, I got there. And so then now it's kind of like we will work some to do, you know, 
for fun, kind of like everything's optional. So we work on the websites, occasionally work PRN. Um, Whitney takes more contracts than I do. But, um, but yeah, I mean, everything now, it's like, we don't need to save anymore. We're, we're in fine shape, even without, even with no income at this point. So, um, uh, that's, it's a very good position to be in. Yeah, um, so we're not putting as much into our savings as we were yeah. before. Um, you know, we're still doing our IRAs each year, but we're not um, yep. contributing to our 401ks at this point. Um, and we're, we don't, we haven't had to tap into our savings too much yet because we live so frugally still. I mean, we've yeah. definitely expanded um, a little bit, but we still live pretty frugally. So even with just working like one travel therapy contract a year or like a couple months yeah. of PRN, we're able to just basically live off of that and not have to tap into our savings. And then, of course, um, from our online business, we make money from that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you guys are in Hawaii right now. So is that challenging? Things just generally are more expensive. Is that really challenging, especially like for you, Jared, if you want to like kind of, you know, uh, not control all these things, but like be able to um, save a certain amount or live off a certain amount, right? And just generally being in a place that it's an island, right? Stuff shipped there. <laughs> it's just more expensive. Is that hard yeah. or has that been a challenge for you guys? Yeah, this is by far the most expensive place we've ever been. And we would have yeah. never taking, taken a contract like this earlier in our career because everything was about okay. minimizing expenses, making as much as possible. But now that we're in the position we're in, it's like we can be more lenient. Like, uh, you know, the contracts here don't pay as well. It is more expensive, but this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity for most people. So, yeah. um, you know, we wanted to have the experience. We'll probably also take a contract somewhere like Alaska. We want to have that experience too. Um, so for we have sure. become, now that we're in a, in a place of more financial security, I'm much less um, focused on that. Uh, and it's more about like, okay, we don't need any more money. Let's just enjoy experiences and things like that. So yeah, I've gotten a lot more flexible over the years. Um, back in 2015, 16, 17, I was uh, very rigid on things, but not so much anymore. Yeah. And I think that um, right now our philosophy on this contract is like, we're happy if we just break even because, you know, we're getting yeah. to be here. Like we're paying the most for um, housing that we've ever paid and yeah. we're paying a lot to rent a car. Right. But if you wanted to come to Hawaii for a vacation, we would spend the amount that we're spending for one month on housing and one month on a car as for a one week vacation, because the, yeah. um, you know, short term, you always, you always get, um, you know, the short end of the stick on prices. So we're like, well, you know what, we're just getting to break even here and have like an extended vacation. So our philosophy was just a lot different on this contract. We are happy with that. And a lot of travelers, that might be their philosophy with their entire travel therapy career, because they yeah. may they may just want to travel for one or two years to have great experiences. And they may not be so focused on increasing their savings rate um, the way we were. Yeah. So it all depends. We always say it just depends on what your goals are and what your emphasis is. Um, but we're glad yeah. to have gotten to a point where we met a lot of our financial goals. So now we can also live that side of it of like, well, we're here for the experience. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's huge. Okay. So now that you guys don't have to work all year, like all year long, what do you guys do to kind of take advantage of the free time that you have? We started in 2018. Um, at that point, we were doing pretty well financially uh, in a pretty good position. And an opportunity came up for Whitney to do a, um, a yoga retreat in Morocco. And for a long oh, time, cool. we always wanted to do some international travel, like longer trips. And at that point, I, I was starting to get to the mindset of like, okay, there's no reason to hustle as hard as we have been. We've done this three years, saved a ton of money. Um, you know, it doesn't need to be. I'm working all the time, and that's all I think about. So this opportunity came up, and I was like, okay, if we're going to go to Morocco for this thing, let's turn that into a long trip. So we basically, yeah. at that point, decided that we wanted to take a five-month trip around the world. And we went to, um, 
can't remember how many countries. Was it 15? Like, yeah, 15 or 16 countries. Yeah, it went to like 15 or 16 countries in 2018. We spent five months out of the country, um, traveled wow. around the world. And then after we did that, we got back later that year and we were like, all right, well, we're just going to do these long trips um, more often because it was a lot of fun. Like we saw so much and yeah. um, the experiences were amazing. So we decided that every year we were going to try to do a long trip like that. So then 2019, we did a four-month trip to Europe, traveled all around Europe, and that was amazing as well. Um, 2020, we had planned a five-month trip to South America, and obviously that was all canceled. Um, but yeah, that's what we're doing probably about half the year now is divided between international travel and road trips around the U.S. to national parks and things like that. And then the rest of the year, hobbies and some work and working on the websites, visiting obviously. Home. Yeah, visiting family. Yeah, um, it's funny because back in 2018, when we were just, again, like we were working and we were, you know, trying to save as much as possible, but Jared had been all along in the background reading uh, different blogs and listening to different podcasts of other types of people who not in the travel or travel therapy space at all, but just other types of people that had careers that allowed them to travel the world or retire early and then travel the world or work remotely and travel the world. And so he'd been sort of brainstorming about those things. And um, I was like, oh, yeah, you said you wanted to go to Asia. So I thought maybe we'd go for a couple weeks. And he was like, well, if we're going to go, we might as well go for a few months. And I'm like, what do you mean? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So, again, Jared was a big driver behind this. He was like, these other people have done it. We can do it, too. We have, you know, as a contract worker, we have the ability to work a contract, take time off, come back, work another contract. We're not tied down by a permanent job. And we have the financial stability to be able to do it. So we were like, if we're already going to be on the other side of the world, let's do it for several months. And once we did it once, we were like, yep, this is what we're just going to do now. So um, at least for the the next couple of years, we plan to spend like six months either traveling around the country or going to other countries as long as um, with COVID things allow. Yeah, it's a big world, a lot to see out there. You guys, this is so amazing. Like, this is so cool that you guys are able to do that, especially being so young, right? Like, a lot of people don't get the opportunity to do that until they're older or they just decide, like, screw it, I'm just going to go. But you guys are able to do it when you're young and, like, can see lots of things and, like, really enjoy the experiences, which is so cool. So when you're going on these trips, how do you plan, like, budgeting-wise? Like, how do you plan for these long, like, five months is a long time and there's a lot of variables in there, especially when you're going to a bunch of different countries and all of that. So how do you plan for that? Um, so we purposely... So we have a lot of the credit card rewards we were talking about earlier. So our flights to anywhere international have always been free. So we use points for those. Um, What we try to do, I try to be very strategic when planning things out. And we try to mix every trip we've taken um, some high-cost countries with some low-cost countries to try to balance it out a little bit. And in the low-cost countries, we try to spend a little bit more time. We try to um, get low-cost Airbnbs. And in the high-cost countries, we try to use things like... um, we also use Airbnb, but we try to use like hotel rewards that we've earned through credit cards to get free stays in those places. Um, so yeah. doing those things, and you know, we try to be a little smart about not eating out so much, or you know, at least not going to really expensive places. Um, and by doing that, we've been able to travel really cheaply. And uh, actually, that five month trip—that's one thing that I, I write a lot about—is our travels and how much I spend. I keep track of everything. And I actually spent less traveling around the world for five months than I would have at home for five months. So um, if you do it very strategically and you go to some lower cost places, you can really travel very cheaply. And I'm trying to get other people to to understand that, you know, if you have the flexibility as a travel therapist and you can save up some money, you can have some really, really amazing adventures that are not that high cost. Like everyone thinks traveling around the world would be extremely expensive. I think I spent like 6,000 in five months. So it's not that expensive. 
Oh my gosh, you guys. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. There's wow. definitely okay. a, a thread of consistency here. It's Jared's research. <laughs> so it's like a full-time yeah. <laughs> job that he does on the side yeah. of just like researching and learning about all this stuff. Because one of the biggest costs for people is like if you go to Europe for two weeks, is going to be your flight over there, right? And then a lot of yeah. times when you're there for two weeks, you just want to do every single tourist attraction that exists yeah. and you want to pay for every tour and do everything. So a lot of people for a one or two week trip would spend the same amount, you know, $6,000 that mm-hmm. Jared spent for five months. And and we say Jared because he tracks his half of the expenses. I don't track mine down to a T, but it's pretty similar, yeah. right? Like we're splitting most of the costs. Um, but if you can, you know, learn how to take advantage of airline miles, um, credit card points and you wipe out the cost of the flight, that's one huge expense. That's thousands of yeah. dollars off your tab. Um, and so we We've never paid for an international flight. We've always only used points. Yeah, and kind of like we wow. talked about with Hawaii, like <clears throat> a lot of places you go to, staying there longer doesn't really cost that much more because short-term rates are so expensive. So in Hawaii right now, yeah. it really would cost us about the same for one week as it would for one month. So if we can go to a country for a month and spend the same amount as one week, it really gives you a much better value um, if you have yeah. the flexibility to be able to take the time off like we do. Yeah. Um, and all travelers have that flexibility. So yeah. traveling for longer periods really makes things uh, less less expensive on a, on a daily basis. And you treat it differently yeah. than if it was a one-week trip. Because if it's a one-week trip, you feel like you have to pack everything in. You feel like you have to do all these yeah. guided tours. Well, when we travel for a long time, we just kind of live there. Like we will, you know, go to the grocery store and yeah, we might eat out once a day or whatever, but we don't do a bunch of excursions and tours every day. Mm-hmm. We might do one every week or two, but we try to do a lot of free things. We do a ton of just free sightseeing, um, by foot. You know, it's a good way to get exercise. You can find, um, you can find audio guides online for free. You can find free um, student tours quite often, like in Europe and places like that. They'll do free tours where you just tip them um, based wow. on whatever you thought the value of it was. So instead of you know paying a hundred dollars for a tour of a city, you can do a free guided tour and tip them you know anywhere between like five and twenty dollars. Um, so we find ways to cut costs like that. And again, Jared writes about all that on our personal blog at Fifth Wheel PT um, is the name of that blog. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you guys. I just, I've got goals written all over you right now. That's so cool. I just, I'm really excited about this. I'm excited for people to hear this and you guys have all sorts of resources. So can you tell us a little bit about your brand, Travel Therapy Mentor, and um, what you guys, I mean, obviously we know a lot about what you're about now, but Travel Therapy Mentor and places they can find you, get more information. Um, I think you guys have a course too. So can you tell everybody about all that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the cool thing about um, this kind of blends in with everything else is like I started a website mostly writing about travel therapy and personal finance, but it was heavily personal finance, financial independence in the beginning. And that was like probably uh, nine months into our career. And what I found is that people cared a lot less about the personal finance stuff than they did about the travel therapy stuff. So by the time we took that first <laughs> long international trip, uh, this, this website was very scattered. So that was fifthwheelpt.com, and I wrote about everything. And what I realized is that people don't want to go to a website for everything. They want to go to a website for specific information. And so yeah. at that point, we decided to split the website. So now Fifth Wheel PT is almost all finance things, um, writing about my journey and you know my finances each month, things like that. And our personal travels. Yeah, yeah our personal travels. And then Travel Therapy Mentor, we made specifically to be everything travel therapy related. So we've got articles on there. I think we've got like 80 or 90 articles all on 
just travel therapy. So for anyone interested in that, that's definitely the place to go. Um, yes. Yeah. So we started travel therapy mentor specifically with the goal of mentoring people that want to get into travel therapy, teach them all the how to's, um, which we've been mentoring thousands of clinicians and students over our like six years now of doing this. So, um, if you go to travel therapy, mentor.com, that's where you can find a lot of our articles and videos that we've done in the past. Um, we do kind of like biweekly Facebook live videos. We upload them to our podcast. So if you want to listen to our videos on podcast format. It's the Travel Therapy Mentor podcast. Um, And then just this year, we decided to create an online course. Um, We've been educating people for years, but we felt like there's just such a large amount of information. And we get questions all the time of like, where do I start? You guys have put so much out there and there's just so many questions. How do I start? So we decided to make a course that really organizes in a more condensed format, everything that you need to know from A to Z on how to get started with travel therapy. But we also wanted to include not just like the basic one-on-one about travel Mm -hmm. therapy, like um, just explaining, you know, housing and pay and things like that. We wanted to explain to the people how they could be strategic. A lot of the things we've talked about and we've learned over our years, how to be strategic and become financially successful to meet your financial goals as a travel therapist. So our course is titled Becoming a Financially Successful Travel Therapist. And it's 12 hours of pretty much everything that we know condensed down um, just to teach (laughs) you from A to Z. I know 12 hours condensed, right? But um, condensed down just to teach you from A to Z. How do I get started? How do I work with recruiters? How do I find jobs? How do I find housing? And how do I be strategic and meet my um, financial goals? Yeah, 12 hours sounds like a lot, but we have... (laughs) over a hundred hours of video out there and uh, yeah. a couple hundred articles. So yeah, I mean, condensing it down, it was uh, it was difficult. It was longer than we thought it would be, but yeah, 12 hours of everything focused. If someone knew nothing to um, starting to travel and being financially successful with it. Yeah. So you guys can find um, our course. If you go to our website at travelthepymentor.com slash course. Um, and there's also a discount code on there that you guys can use to save on the course. Um, in addition to our website and our course, you can also uh, find us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Travel Therapy Mentor. And that's where we share a ton of our pictures of all of our travels yeah. of the 30 plus countries we've been to. And we're, <laughs> we're working on 50 states. Uh, hopefully by the end of this year, we will have been to 49 of the states. Yep. Heck yeah. You guys are awesome. I'm just so happy you guys came on today. And I feel (laughs) like we, you said 12 hours sounds like a lot, but we've been talking for an hour and I feel like we're like scratching the surface. I think you guys have a lot more to say. So definitely you guys check that out. We'll add um, all that info into our show notes too for everybody. But um, we so appreciate you guys coming on and chatting with us and being such advocates for travel therapy and travel therapy as pairs and all that. So thank you guys. Yeah, thank, thank you, you very much. We really enjoyed it. Yeah, we appreciate you having us and definitely reach out, you guys, if you're listening and you want to get started as travel therapists. It's been just an amazing career path for us. And we want to inspire you guys to be able to live your own journey and um, take advantage of this career path too. You guys are awesome. We'll talk to you soon. All Bye. Right, Bye. Bye. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in to I Need Travel Therapy. To learn more about today's episode, make sure to explore the show notes at medtravelers.com slash I need travel therapy. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a guest. If you're a therapist interested in traveling, visit medtravelers.com to explore nationwide travel therapy job offerings and to learn about the amazing benefits that MedTravelers has to offer. Also, a very special thanks to producer Jonathan Carey, assistant producers Katie Schrauben and Sam McKay, and Aiden Dykes for the music and editing. See you next time, travel fam.